welcome back everybody to the Alive and Living podcast. I'm Allison and I'm so glad you found this episode. Wherever you did, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm super excited to be back recording. As I said in the last episode about spiritual summer growth, if you didn't listen to that, go listen to that. Um, I'm officially on summer break, so I'm hoping to be posting more and I'm super excited about that. But today we are going to continue the Living Through Philippians series that we started last time. So last episode we talked about chapter one, and today we're going to be talking about chapter two. Today we're going to be looking at two passages from Philippians chapter two, and I'm super excited because most of what we're going to be getting from these passages is some teaching on true biblical leadership, and I think we can really learn a lot from it. So if this is your first time joining us for this series, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to catch up on our Philippians series, you can pause this and go listen to the last episode about chapter one if you want. You don't have to listen to these in order necessarily, but if you do want to get the whole effect and the whole book, I encourage you to listen to all of these episodes that we're going to be doing. We have two more after this. So if you are sticking around and not going back and listening to chapter one, let me catch you up on some background information about the book of Philippians. So Philippians is actually a letter written by Paul to the church, the people in the church of Philippi, which is in modern day Greece, if you were wondering. So anytime the text uses the word I, me, or my, remember that is Paul talking. So the whole book of Philippians is about Paul encouraging the people of this church to grow in their commitment to serve God and each other. And because I'm going to be, I'm considering this a Bible study, we're going to be reading from our Bibles. I know, shocking. (laughs) But just so you know, I'm going to be reading from the NLC, the New Living Translation. And I know it can be annoying sometimes to have someone read a translation, then you have your own different translation, and you try to follow along, and the words don't match up. But yeah, if you have the NLT, grab that, because I'm going to be using it. And it's just, I think it's easier to listen to on an audio podcast. So grab your Bible and a notebook if you want to take notes, and let's get right into it. Alright, so as I said before, today we're looking at two passages from Philippians chapter 2. First, we're going to be taking a look at verses 3 through 11, and then we're going to be taking a look at verses 12 through 15. And I'm so excited for today because we are going to learn a lot, and I really hope it encourages you just as it encouraged me as I was preparing for this. So I don't know if you're wondering, but you might be thinking... Aren't you going to read the chapter now, Allison? Like, this is the time where you take eight minutes to read the chapter. But, um, I don't know if you're thinking that. But if you were, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because I tried and it took a lot of energy. And I encourage you to pause this and take a moment to go read Philippians chapter 2. I think it'll help you just understand the verses more if you, you don't have to, but... Let's get straight into these verses. So the first group of verses we're going to be looking at are verses 3 through 11. Let me read them. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. 
you must have the same attitude that Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this passage, at least the second half, is all about Christ's humility. It's a very important passage about Jesus' attitude while he was on earth. And I think it's actually a poem about it. So don't overlook these verses because they're very important. And they can teach us a lot about Jesus and what he did on earth. Today, I want to look at these eight verses in the context of leadership. Because we can learn so many things from this passage, but I, what I want to share with you all today is biblical leadership. So starting from the top, Paul is calling us to be selfless, to not try to impress others, to be humble, and to take interest in other people's, not just ourselves. Which, I don't know if you know, but this is an example of true selflessness. So when you take the attention off of yourself, then you can be great if that makes sense i mean this is the recipe for true greatness so let's go through this one at a time so being selfless means having no concern for self so if you don't have a concern for yourself and you're okay with yourself if that makes sense then you can spend your energy on caring for other people because if you're selfish you only care about yourself and you only care about your well-being and that you only care that things will go well for you and you have no interest in helping others. But we need to be selfless and not selfish. The next part says don't impress others. And I'm pretty sure we all know what this means. I mean, you try to get other people's attention and get them to like you and to approve of you. Because when we try to impress others, it often means that we... I think all the time it means that we place a very high importance on what those people think of us. But the negative part of this is that it takes up so much energy. I mean, it takes a lot to impress others. And even if you do it for a short while, like you can never get everybody's attention. You might be able to get one group of people's attention. You might get them to like you for a short amount of time, but you're never going to please everybody. But even besides the fact that it does take up so much energy, it's nearly impossible to do. I mean, we shouldn't be placing so much importance on what other people think of us. I truly think that we should care more about what God thinks of us than what other people think of us. Because when you're trying to impress others, you're also being selfish because you only care about yourself. I mean, you only care what other people think of you. And it sucks your energy from being able to care about other people. Because what God thinks of you is the only opinion that matters in this life, especially in the end. That's the only thing that will matter. And God loves you even if other people don't because he's the one who made you. So once you believe what God thinks of you, then you don't have to care about what other people think of you. And I know from experience that trying to impress others and trying to get people to like you isn't really going to get you anywhere. I remember I was trying to 
please people at some point in my life and it really just took energy as I said and it just it wasn't working to get people's attention it didn't bring fulfillment in my life so if you really just care about what God thinks of you then that gives you so much more freedom than caring what other people think of you so the next phrase is to be humble and to be humble basically means not to be proud or arrogant. You don't see yourself as better than other people and you don't put yourself above others because nobody likes a person who is proud and who puts others down because they think they're better than everyone else. Being humble means that you're a person who can take recognition and not make it all about you because it's not, you know, it's not bad to get recognition for things, but it's just how you deal with it. And yeah, being humble, it means putting yourself at the same level of everyone else and not putting yourself up and thinking that you're better. And this part even says to look at other people as better than yourself. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to put yourself down. Like, don't put yourself down negatively. It just means that you don't put yourself up and you're willing to serve others and put yourself lower in that way. You know, you want to think of people as not more important necessarily, but to make people important than in your life and to make their needs more important than your needs. Continuing on with humility, the verse says not only to look out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. And we need to care about people and not be selfish and not be self-absorbed. Because we need to be the people who are always ready to help others and who are not so consumed with themselves that they're not ready to help other people when they're in need. So this all combined will help us to take on the attitude of Christ, as Paul says here. Because Jesus never tried to impress people. He was never selfish. He was always humble, and he always had others in mind. So the next half about half of this passage is a whole description of the attitude of Christ. So it says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this verse is talking about the one and only God, the one who created you and me and the whole universe, the most powerful one to ever exist. I mean, Jesus cared so much about us that he gave up his divine privileges and took the humble position of basically a slave and came to earth. So he humbled himself and took care of other people. He healed the sick. He taught people the truth and he loved people with compassion. And he wasn't proud. Instead, he was the opposite of that. I mean, he even died a death on a cross, even though he was completely innocent. And this even says, Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. This is why Jesus is the one that we worship, because he saved us from our sins and brought us together with God. And Jesus did all this by making himself low. He came to serve us and save us. And this is why we worship him and follow him. 
So when I read this verse, I think of true leadership. So think about this for a second. To you, is a leader someone who puts themselves above others and wags their finger at them only pointing out mistakes because they're too cool to be kind? Or is it a person who brings themselves down to the level of others and is willing to serve people with humility? I personally think it's a second one, which might not seem normal at first because I think when we think of a leader, we might think of someone who is in higher power, like a manager or a teacher in charge of students or a president who's in charge of a country, for example. And you would think that in order to be a good manager, for example, that you need to be tough and keep your the people under you in line. And I think this is what the world's definition of a leader is, but it's not what God says a leader is. Because a leader is actually someone who is like Jesus, a person who serves the people that are under them. And I heard a saying one time that if you want to be great, you're going to have to bring yourself down to be at the level of a servant. And if you really think about it, a good leader is someone who helps others get work done or become better people. So take a school project, for example. Usually you have someone to be the leader of the project or someone just naturally steps up to take charge. And if a person was a good leader, they would assign people jobs and is constantly willing to help others do their part and get their part done. Because no one likes a leader who just criticizes what you're doing wrong and gets frustrated when something doesn't go their way and isn't there to help correct in a good way and to help the problem go the right way. So if you're a strong leader and a person who others look up to, you're going to have to get down and serve others. Because if we truly want to be leaders like Christ, then we'll have to take down our pride and be willing to serve other people and be humble. So the next group of verses that I want to look at are Philippians 2, 12b. That's the second half of the verse through 15. So Philippians 2, 12b through 15. And they say, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Leave, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So this verse is another piece of text from the Bible and from this book specifically that tells us how to live godly. So Paul here is giving us some instructions on how to live godly lives and how to live a life that is pleasing to God. And I like that Paul calls the Philippians to show the results of their salvation, to which is to obey God and to do what pleases him. And I looked up this passage in a Bible commentary to see what it said, and I'm so glad I included this. I think it was so spot on. So it was saying that Paul isn't saying that they should work hard to gain their salvation, but that they should work hard to make their salvation evident in every aspect of their lives. Because we don't have to work for salvation. God gives it to us freely, but I do think we should live like we're saved. Because I don't know if you know this, but being saved and knowing God changes you. It changes people. This is why people need to know about it. Because Jesus' death and resurrection frees us from the prison of sin. 
So because salvation is such a great gift, we need to live it out so that other people know about it. And as I said before on this podcast, that the most important thing in this life is to be saved, but it's also to tell other people about the gospel so they can be saved too. And the way we can live our out our salvation is through fearing God. I like to say that um, there are two main fears that we can face as Christians. Besides, like, being afraid of animals or something. Um, but there is the fear of man and then the fear of God. So the fear of man is the fear of being exposed or rejected because of our faith or for other reasons. But the fear of God actually isn't a negative fear. I know a lot of people think it's a negative fear, like it's being scared that God will judge you or condemn you. But it's actually not, because we don't have to be scared of God. So the fear of God isn't a negative fear. Um, And Paul says here that fearing God means having a deep reverence for him. And in case you didn't know, reverence means having a deep respect for someone or something. So fearing God means you have a reverence for him and you are in awe at his power and you want to obey him and please him. And this is a good thing. It's not a negative thing. So if you fear God and obey him, this will be evident through your life and others will be able to see the results of your salvation. Then Paul continues by saying, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So you see, we were all born sinners and our natural behavior is to go against God. I mean, this is why it's easier to sin than to do good. And this is why God sent Jesus to die for our sins. But Paul is saying here that God will give us the power and the desire to do what is right and what pleases him. And this doesn't mean that we won't ever sin. We will always sin. We will struggle with sin. We are just now saved from those sins. But it doesn't mean we won't ever sin. But God will put the desire in us to do good and to obey him, even if it doesn't mean that we'll be perfect, because we never will. So I know I'm just going to go through this verse line by line, but I think we can really learn something if we can look at this more critically. So it says, do everything without complaining, complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. So these verses go on with showing the results of our salvation, showing others who God is and being an example. So the first is do everything without complaining and arguing. And this does sound like something that your mom or dad would say to you when it's time for you to do your chores. But I also think this applies to do to everyday life. Because we don't have to complain or protest when things are hard or they aren't going our way. Because God is there with us. Paul's also calling us to live pure lives. This doesn't mean we have to be perfect because we never will. But being pure means wanting and doing our best to follow God's will for the way we live. Then lastly, Paul calls Christians to shine like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. And the world will always be sinful and crooked, so, or crooked. <laughs> so, yeah, the world will always be sinful. So we need to be lights in this dark world and try to bring others to Jesus. Because Jesus says in Matthew 
5, 14 through 16, it's in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So through our actions and through the way we live, others will be able to see the results of our salvation and then it'll bring others to Christ. And I hope you know how important it is for us Christians to shine our lights and share the gospel with others. So today we learn from Philippians chapter 2 how to become like Christ, what true leadership looks like, and how to live so that others may see the results of our salvation. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you were encouraged by it and will take the challenge with me to live like Paul teaches us through Philippians. I mean, this is why I named this the Living Through Philippians series. I really want us to take what we've learned and actually apply it to our lives. So please subscribe to this podcast, share it with others and friends and family. And if you're an Apple podcast right now, please, after you listen to this, please go down and leave a review. It helps people find this and I just hope that more and more people will be encouraged by it. So stay tuned for part three of this series and I'll talk to you soon.